Welcome to Two Sides to the Story with Ted and Lori. I'm Lori Hirstetter. And I'm Ted Zaleski. And guess what? Today is Lori's birthday. We're recording on March the 18th at Exploration Commons. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time that we've recorded on March 18th. So that's a first. Uh, not my first birthday, but we're not going to say how many I've had. Moving on. <laughs> okay, so this past Monday, Lori and I were at an event, the kickoff to the Carroll County Battle of the Books. We were in Eldersburg Elementary School to interview Ira Marks. We'll talk about Ira in just a bit. But we're in this combination gymnasium, auditorium, cafeteria, big room, lots of chairs, 359 people, many of them kids, signed up for this event. Uh, of excitement. They, they were very happy to see Ira. Uh, Debbie Scheller from A Likely Story Bookstore was in the back selling books, selling lots of books. So many books. There <laughs> was a long line yeah. to have book signs by Ira. Sometimes that line literally went from the back of the gym all the way to the front of the To gym. the stage at the front, yes. It was pretty incredible to see. So, Lori and I were there, basically just hanging around for a while. There wasn't anything for us to do, watching well, all this. you know what Lori was doing. Chatting, <laughs> having conversations with Andrea. And she introduced me to a friend of hers, and I do not remember her name, but she was dressed so beautifully, and she was extremely cold, which is uh, stands out because it's the opposite of me. I'm always hot, especially in a gym full of people, and she had she was all bundled up. That was uh, Virginia Harrison. Oh, thank you. Yes, I knew if somebody said her name, if you give me the multiple choice of three, I would have been able to pick Virginia. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure I would have thought about it, but yeah, I think Lori did spend a good bit of that time talking to people. There were two or three that she didn't get to. I did something else while we were waiting for the event to start. Uh, Lisa gave me some stickers. I had asked her ahead of time if she could supply. And she's like, oh, yeah, we always have the penguin stickers, um, which is quirky for the uh, the library. And um, what I did was place three stickers under three different chairs in the audience. And this is before the audience was allowed to enter. So remember, when we arrived, the line was starting to form. And we were able to get in first, of course, because we had our two side shirts on. And uh, we use that time to chat, of course, and to place stickers under the chairs. And that is because we had uh, giveaways for the audience that we'll talk about more in a few minutes. Yeah, two side shirts. We told you recently that we got, got shirts. We wore them for the first time for this event. Mm -hmm. And overwhelmingly, people seemed to like the color that we were wearing. Yes. In fact, I put something on social media with a picture of the two different short colors that we got, what I call two sides teal. And we also had what I was calling shades of gray <laughs> and asked people to vote. And overwhelmingly, both those who said on uh, online and those who talked to me outside of online all said, Teal's the one. Actually, I think I had one, maybe one gray, but across the board, teal, Teal's the winner. So, fashion show aside, <laughs> we were there to interview Ira Marks. Um, he was the writer of one of the 10 elementary school Battle of the Books books this year. And when I first got the invitation to do this and sent something to Lori, she looked up Ira Marks online. And it wasn't too much later, 
got back. I don't remember her exact words, but I'm in. Uh, you want to tell them what caught your eye? Oh, yeah. So I just did a quick Google search for his name, and I realized that he's not only a cartoonist and a writer, but he has a podcast. So, of course, that appealed to me since that's something we're doing. And uh, it's called Cartoon Feelings. Um, it's with a, a partner. She is also an artist. Um, I believe her name was Caitlin. And um, so I looked very quickly just at their podcast to see what are their podcast titles? You know, what are the shows that they've done? And I scrolled down the list just a little bit. They've been at it a lot longer than us. And they also record episodes that are generally a lot longer than our episodes. Hour and a half is like their, their norm. Um, they tend to put, um, they have guests like we do, but almost all of their episodes have a guest. And so I'm scrolling down the list and there was a episode with a guest. It was one of their longer episodes, about an hour and a half. And they were talking about Serendipity, which is a book series that I loved as a kid, which is all I needed to do. I did not research any further before I replied to you to say, I'm in, let's do it. So we didn't immediately go to an interview, um, much as we would have liked more time. This will come up a little bit later, oh, I, I think. Uh, we were not the main part of the show, really. Yeah. Ira did a slide presentation and talked about cartoons and drawing and uh, how to make your characters have a place in the in the book. And um, the audience was very, very interested. Now, it turned out he had way more slides than he had time for. And he started going very fast through the slides. And the audience is going, no, 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 we want to see them. Uh, which eventually, when they get started, I, I started out saying, well, it's really good to know we're starting this interview with the audience saying, no, Iris, please keep going. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, two sides, sit down. We've got, <laughs> we want, we want to see more of Ira. Well, Ira was with us and we got to ask him some questions and we knew going in, and this is every time that interviews happen, we have more questions than we will have time for. So you have to, you know, organize them, prioritize them. If we only get to ask 10, which 10 would we ask? But we've got 20 just in case. And this was even tougher than usual, because we were only slotted for 20 minutes. We usually have an hour, which turns into an hour five or so. Because Ted's so chatty. <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, we had prioritized them. We knew which questions that we were going to ask. We also knew that he was going to be presenting before us and that some of our questions might get answered um, to scale down the list. Um, and it just, it turned out that that time with him with us went extremely fast. Um, we did get to ask some questions, um, interesting answers. Um, I enjoyed that time with him tremendously. But I, I think as much as I enjoyed our questions, I enjoyed the questions that the kids um, asked of him. So I guess we should take you through some of the highlights of what we learned from him during that time. So what did you want to say about the answers that we got from him while we were there? He confirmed there were Easter eggs. Um, we talked about how many, and he jokingly said, well, 87, which was clearly just a random number. And he said, well, no, maybe it's more like over 200. So I know we found a dozen ourselves. 
Oh, more. Yeah. And uh, even in his slide presentation, he talked a little bit about the, the Easter eggs and how to find them and that it isn't just like, uh, for example, the, the book, which we've said in a previous episode, but was based on the movie and book Jaws. So there are some things that stand out pretty clearly, like the shark's name is Bruce and it's in the movie. It's also in his graphic novel. Also, the boat is named the Orca, which comes directly from Jaws as well. So there's some really obvious references. And then there are just like stylistic things that he put into the frame of a page on the graphic novel comes directly from a frame in the movie. And the scene was under the the pier, I believe. So just as an example. So um, we know we heard after the fact that there were kids who went home that were at the battle event kickoff that night that um, went looking for Easter eggs. So that's very cool that what we said and what Ira said during his presentation inspired kids to go home, pick up that book again, and to, uh, to look through those uh, pages for some Easter eggs. Why don't we start with a favorite topic of ours and the place where we actually started the interview, uh, creativity and mm. Ira. Okay. So I asked the question about creativity and I gave sort of the analogy of, for me, I'm not an artist. I wish I was, but I do consider myself a creative person. So I said, for me, creativity comes in several forms, one of which is in the kitchen. So I use that reference to say, okay, you are a multi-talented creative person. You're a writer, you're an artist. Can you give me the recipe that makes up Ira? What percentage of this are you versus that percentage? And I loved his first answer, which was that he's a hundred percent storyteller. And then I think he went a little bit further to say, what was it? Percent of writer versus artist. Yeah, he, he kind of talked through some stuff, but I think he ended up saying um, 60, 60% cartoonist and, or artist and 40% writer. Yes. Okay. So then after I asked the question about creativity, it was your turn. Well, before we leave creativity, he has a book. Oh, yeah. So we talked a little bit about that. And actually, that must have gotten some audience interest because I, um, I mentioned the title of the book. I talked about the premise of it. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to get the title wrong. You put me on the spot there, Ted. It's about creativity, creative living, um, art. <laughs> See, all right, we're going to have to fix that here in a minute. Um, but the idea of the book is that art as a career, and Ira was someone who growing up always knew he liked art, um, but also had regular jobs. And I think having regular jobs was confirmation for him that art is where he needed to be. So this book is in a very um, written in his typical artistic style with great cartoons and, and, and drawings that are cartoon-like. And it is a sort of a breakdown of all of the different industries in art. And so it talks about jobs that are available if you are interested in the arts. So I really liked that, that he's saying, if you like it, go after it. And here are all the different types of art jobs that are available. And it was called, thank you, Ted, Creative Every Day. 
So um, a lot of people seem to be interested in that. And I think when we got to the kids asking questions, one of them even asked to clarify the name of the book so that they could look it up. That one, by the way, is one that's available online. So you can just go download it or um, go to Ira's website. It is his name, iramarks.com. And you can take a look at that entire book online. And I have not looked at it, but I, I want to. So something I talked about was, was maps. And I have a story I like, to, I like to tell, but I had to make it really short because we only had 20 minutes. But I can tell it now. Uh, when, I, when I was in the first grade, my sister was in kindergarten. Uh, she went to, to kindergarten in the basement of somebody's house, just a block or two away from where I lived. And I used to go walk her home after school, you know, big first grader. Um, but the thing I've never forgotten was in that basement, they had this big map on the, on the wall, you know, kind of a, a picture map. But I can remember following the roads around through mountains and tunnels and over bridges. And, and I always remembered that map. I couldn't have told you anything concrete about it, but I had this picture in my mind. And then I was at a map exhibit in Washington. I'm walking around looking at things. I look up at the wall. And there's the map. I immediately knew that was the map. I found this guy named Jaro Hess, and I ended up getting the map and hanging it on the wall. So that story is just uh, about me really liking maps, which led to me talking to Ira, who seems to like maps as well. There are a number of maps in his, his books, but there was one in particular uh, in Shark Summer, it's um, a map of a development on Martha's Vineyard that never happened called Lagoon Heights. I love, I love the name Lagoon Heights. So did he. He commented. <laughs> he said, isn't that a great name for a development? <laughs> but it wasn't his. It was real. True. There was actually supposed to be a Lagoon Heights development that never happened. And in the book, he has a map of Lagoon Heights. And I thought it was really interesting. I don't even remember exactly how I ended up doing it, but I went online and looking for something more about it and i see the map it's real it you can you can buy this map and you can buy it for only fifteen hundred dollars for the bargain price of and ira even made a joke about that saying you know if we all pull our money together <laughs> if we each put in two or three dollars with this size of an audience we could buy it so um, you know, thinking about future episodes Books with interesting maps could be a, an episode sometime, maybe, and maybe more than one. Uh, fictional books with fictional maps. Oh, well, you know, this is a little bit of a spin on it, but Book of Maps is oh, definitely geez. something that's going to come up for us again because we're going to be interviewing another author. And we'll save that for another day. But Book of Maps is one that would be on that list, Ted, if we're going to do a show that's about maps for sure. <laughs> so, that was the end, I think, pretty much of your question, right? So then it was back to me, and I asked about um, sort of the, the theme of these books that he's writing so far are taken from scary movies. So the first one was based on Jaws, uh, Shark Summer, and the second one was based on The Shining, which is an equally scary movie, if, if not more. Um, and by the way, we gave that book away as one of our giveaways that evening. And then we know that there is a third one in the works. So we were asking him a little bit about that because it's not as scary. It's based on Indiana Jones. 
Um, it's not ready yet. I think he was saying what year, uh, 2026, he thought it might be available. Um, it takes a while to get this done. How many thousands of images does he have to create? Think about an artist sitting down to do a drawing. He does that thousands of times for one book. So it takes a long time to put together um, a graphic novel. So anyway, it will be based on Indiana Jones. And I asked two main questions. One was the repeat character, Elijah Jones. He is in both book uh, Shark Summer and in the second one is called Spirit, Spirit Week. Week. Um, and will be a repeat character in the Indiana Jones related book. He called Elijah the glue that holds it all together. So he's a main character and will continue to be a main character. And then if you're familiar with Indiana Jones, you know that there are several movies. So he said it's going to be predominantly based on which of the movies? The Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, which is probably the best known of the series, I would imagine. And then I actually asked, um, made a suggestion that if he needed more ideas for additional books that are based on movies, that something stood out to me. In his book, at the very end, there is a cartoon image of him, um, self-portrait, so to speak. And he's wearing a shirt. And it's not quite an Easter egg, but it is interesting that you can just see enough to see there's a little um, image of a UFO. And then below it, the date, September 1961. And he said, good catch when I brought that up. And I knew by researching it, that it was related to a UFO abduction. That's a pretty famous one that, you know, supposedly happened in 61 um, be, with a uh, with a couple, um, Betty and Barney Miller, I believe. I don't remember the last name. Was it Rubble? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, I said, would you consider doing a graphic novel based on a UFO movie? And one of the kids from the audience actually called out, right? The one that you thought of at the same, well, when I first mentioned it to you, I think, what book did you, what movie did you think of? Oh, Close Encounters. And that's time. what yeah. she called out. So clearly there was interest from the audience in this idea. And I think he was kind of interested. He was like, looking to give the girl in the audience some credit for this idea if it develops into something. So we'll have to stay tuned to Ira's books in the future. And if UFOs come up, then we can feel some teeny tiny little part of that. Lori wants a share of the royalties. I just want to be able to tell the story. It's fun. <laughs> and I want a UFO shirt just like it. <laughs> so then we talked about an author I like a lot. I've always called Neil Gaiman, but, um, Ira, without correcting me, corrected me uh, by say, saying a number of times, Neil Gaiman. So now, now I know that. But uh, he is a, a writer. He does comic books. Another very creative guy in lots of different ways. And I, I thought I saw similarities between uh, Gaiman and Marx. And I, I asked him about that. I said, are you familiar with him? I was pretty sure he would be. Oh, yeah. I talked about the Sandman comics. And I, I talked about some of the things I saw as, you know, seeing in both of them. And, you know, he acknowledged that and then said, you know, but it, it's an important thing for me. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but, you know, then he kind of figured out, I'm not going to be Neil Gaiman. You know, there, there is one Neil Gaiman and I'm not going to repeat him. So, you know, I 
took inspiration from him, learned from him, and then figured out how to be Ira Marks. And then I said to the audience, okay, lesson here, uh, be inspired by Ira Marks, but don't try to be Ira Marks. And there were a lot of kids who expressed interest in drawing and writing. Oh yeah, Lori said earlier, uh, I'm not an artist, I'd like to be. But she had she had a art lesson here at- We at all did. Event. He gave us all one. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about uh, drawing faces, but he started out very basic with just a, just a circle. And he was kind of showing the audience the difference between somebody carefully drawing a circle and then just allowing yourself to freely draw a circle. So he had the audience, in, including Laurie, have their their hands going around a big circle. You know, he had 350 people, you know, looked like some um, exercise program in Central Park or something. But I, I think he effectively got the idea across. Yeah, there's no doubt. It stood out for me. I'm sure it stood out for others. And then uh, we have some pictures that we'll post on on Instagram. Um, we've done a couple already, but this one I did not put out there yet. But he had an art easel, and he actually went up and, and drew the great big circle and uh, started to make a face out of it. And it resembled someone we both know. So we have a picture of Ted standing behind the easel with this very basic cartoon image that that could be the beginning of what could be Ted in a graphic novel, which I would love to see. <laughs> Lori sees my face in, in all sorts of <laughs> It shows up everywhere. It's scary. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so then I think I um, we did this a little bit out of order. You were following sort of how we asked the questions. I had asked about Easter eggs mm -hmm. as well, but we've already talked about that. So then I think we switched to the audience interaction because our time with him went very quickly and Lisa was giving us the look, it's time to turn it over. So we turned it over to the audience after we did our giveaways, which did not go exactly as planned. I had done at the beginning of this episode, we told you that there were three stickers and I put them under three chairs and I did not specifically pay attention to exactly where each chair was. So the kids all get up and, you know, I saw probably like a teacher saying, now everyone, be careful, stand up and, and, you know, don't all shove each other down trying to look under your chair. I think I kind of made a little fun of you. <laughs> he did make fun of me. <laughs> He's like, well, aren't you <laughs> keeping them in line? Yeah, no, the audience, we didn't say this this earlier. Uh, Ira was very surprised at the size of the audience. He, yes. he said, this is the biggest audience I've ever had. I thought I might have 10 people. He had 350 people. It was pretty impressive. And not just the volume, but the excitement. The energy in the room was wonderful. And Ira just did a fantastic job of en engaging um, the folks that came. Yeah, another thing about the audience before Lori finishes her thought, um, she was talking about the, the UFO and the, the abduction and everything. So I asked the audience, has anybody here been abducted by a UFO? And actually a bunch of hands went up. Wasn't quite sure what to make of that. I thought Ira asked that question. Was that you? Yeah, it was me. Oh, okay. Well, I think I said something like, don't raise your hands because <laughs> I get scared too easily. I don't want to see or hear that all these kids think they've been abducted. <laughs> okay, so you were talking about our giveaway. I was talking about the giveaway. Okay, so we could not find all three stickers. Two were found. 
So then they got to come up and choose what they wanted. And the first winner that found their sticker first came up and got a, uh, a book, uh, a drawing book. Um, we picked up something to, uh, to give us um, a, a gift that night to the one who found the sticker. And uh, they, that was the first one to, to go. And then the second prize to go was his second book. So a lot of kids were there that night getting the first book signed. This was saying to them that there's a second, and if you're interested, um, go look for it. And the second person who found a sticker was able to take that book home with them. Then the third was a pack of stickers that was all sharks. And that's the one where the sticker was never found. Um, and even at the end of the night, we didn't like stick around to try to locate it. And instead, what did you do with that sticker? Uh, there was a boy in the audience who asked Ira a question that I really liked. And unfortunately, I can't remember what the question was. I just I just remember, you know, noting that uh, Ira said, you know, good question there. So I, I took the sharks out and gave them to that, that boy. Now, speaking of the questions that the audience asked, you know, we're trying to recap this for you as best as possible because you couldn't be there and we couldn't record it. So this won't be as amazing as it as it was. But the first question was from a, a, a kid in the audience who said, so Ira, tell us about your childhood. And the, the room rolled. It was so funny. I think she actually said, how was your childhood? Yes. And he just kicked back. He's like, all right, let me get comfortable. <laughs> and I, like he was uh, in a counseling session to, <laughs> to spill the beans on what made Ira, Ira. And the good news is he had wonderful things to say. They had a great upbringing and wonderful supportive parents. Yeah, and he was very, very clear about the support, support for what he ended up doing, that mm -hmm. his parents not only didn't say, how are you going to make a living doing this, but, you know, they, they gave him what help they could. And that's an important lesson, you know, I mean, whatever it is that you're wanting to do in life as, as a young person choosing a path, um, having the right mentors whether it's from your parent or a teacher or a librarian or, or whatever the case might be, certainly has an influence on, on your ability to have success in that. So he's a, he's a great lesson in that. And he's one of the people that is inspiring kids um, to choose art as a field. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, we talked off and on. We know this conversation has wandered around all over the place today. As it always does. <laughs> but um, we thought we found something interesting in the book. You know, there were all these references to, to geese and pictures of geese. And I said, okay, there's got to be something to this. We couldn't figure out what it meant. But then Lori asked Ira, you know, so tell us, tell us about the geese. And he said, there's this and this and this. And Ira said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to glance right over that because I thought it was a great question. And he said, you know, honestly, there's no connection that it was if, if, if it happened, it was subconscious. Um, he did say there was an inside joke. He had some family members in the audience and he was looking back at a gentleman towards the back who may have been his brother-in-law, I'm guessing. Right. Um, anyway, so he said, well, we have an inside joke about geese. Uh, we don't like them or something like that. But he did not, by design, include images or stories about geese as a key theme in this book, but we picked up on like six or seven different things. So it's something we've talked about before in previous episodes is that what the writer intends and what the reader takes is often different 
And, and that's maybe the beauty of it. In fact, we did an interview with Patty Callahan and we talked about this idea of writer versus reader perspective. And she said something along the lines of there's a bridge. And once the book is written and it's done and it's bound and published and out there to the world, it's in some ways no longer yours. That bridge has been crossed. Now it belongs to the reader. Whoever reads it and what they get from it is sort of separate from what you may have intended. And I don't actually think it was hers, but I don't know who she quoted. It was another author that she admires, and she admires many. Was it Ursula Le Guin? It might have been Ursula Le Guin. We'll have to listen back to that episode and, and verify, but she talked about the bridge. Bringing up Patty Kellyanne reminds me, uh, both Patty and Ira Marks are following two sides to the story on Instagram. So we have two writers following us. Well, what's wonderful about that is that we're seeing them. We're following them primarily, and it lets us know what they've got going on. And for example, um, Patty's got a new book coming, and it's coming in May. So I think we're actually going to plan to do our follow-up in uh follow-up episode to the Patty interview sometime around the release of her book. And she's going on tour and she's going to be as close as Lancaster. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that we might get to try to see Patty again. We're going to find out what hotel she's staying in. <laughs> Lori's going to stalk her. Sit in the hallway outside her door. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll try to behave. A little starstruck with all these folks we've been able to interact with lately. I'll admit it. Yeah. Um, so any, any other thoughts from the Ira uh, interview? Yes. There was one other thing with an audience question that really sort of stuck with me. And this goes back to the idea of him inspiring people is that one of the, the kids in the audience asked a question about the software that he uses. And he mm -hmm. talked about a couple of different things actually. And one was like, you could go get this now. And the other was, um, you know, it's more expensive. Maybe it's something you work towards in the future. And the, the girl that asked the question had a mom sitting beside her and that mom was asking a second time to get the name of the program. So this is what we were just talking about of support of, um, of someone in your life to help you make your dreams come true, that this girl was clearly interested in pursuing um, art as an option for herself and so much so that she wanted to know the program. And she had a mom who was sitting there very supportive of the idea of helping her get the tools that might be needed to be successful. So it's fun to think about how that night that we got to be a very small part of could play a pivotal part in the future of this young lady who has an interest in pursuing a life in arts. And, and I say art, and I do include writing in that because writing is, is an art form as well. So how many writers were in the audience that night? How many future authors did we get to see in the crowd how many artists are going to do a graphic novel just not like ira but in their own way in the years to come because of the program it's just really fun to think about it when you look at the audience and the pictures that we got out there from that night of what the future holds for those folks and ira might have had an impact on some things Lori and i are talking about doing we have a project that's just floating around right right now but the the one uh, software that he talked about for drawing is called Procreate. I went and looked at it because there's one thing we've talked about, and I don't want to say too much about it yet, but just we said, 
maybe that could be a graphic novel. So maybe one day I'll try this out and, you know, see what I can do with it. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, it's one thing to talk about young people and them following their dreams. But, you know, even as our old folks, even those of us having birthdays today <laughs> and pretending we're not as old as we are, um, are still dreaming too. So it's good to uh, set the example. We ought to do our things because the youngsters uh, might be watching and may be doing the same. So uh, maybe that's a good sort of synopsis of the evening. But what I think we have left to say is about the kickoff, that this is just the beginning. So you want to say a little bit about the history of Battle of the Books and what this night plays into that, and, and then we can talk about what's to come. I actually said how long Carroll County's been doing it, and I'm not sure I remember now, maybe 10, 15 years. Uh, I've been involved with it for probably getting close to 10, 10 years, emceeing one of the events that Lori and I will be doing together this year. But um, there's a kickoff event, which is the one we just had. Uh, that is an interview with an author or two or three. And then starts the series of actual competitions. And um, Lori's got some numbers that she had pulled together earlier today on just how much there was going on. Yeah, when we talked this morning about recording this episode, I just went real quick to see, and it was actually educational to both of us. Um, you've been involved in it for a number of years, but didn't know some of the data that I that I found. So here's sort of the highlights. Um, first of all, the kickoff was, was Monday. The very next night, there was an after hours battle, which was the adult battle. Um, the, that just started. The first time was last year. We actually um, participated as, as Team Ted, and we were fortunate to win the battle. And like last year, um, there were two nights of adult battles because there was such a huge interest in it. So the same thing is happening this year. And Ira's interview for the kickoff was Monday. Tuesday was the first after hours. We are going to go to the second after hours next week. Um, and that's going to be a good time to just enjoy it as spectators instead of as people battling. Um, those uh, groups have six books to read. And this was an interesting thing to find is that there's a list of the books for each of them. And there are three total groups. There's the after hours adult group. There's the elementary school group. And there's the middle school group. And between the three, there is only one book in common between all of them. And that was called The 47 People You'll Meet in Middle School. So approaches to the battle and how everybody preps for it is a different conversation. But just the book list itself, after hours for the adults, had six books. Then there are going to be nine total battles for the kids' groups over the course of the end of March through the end of April. So it's a full month. It's over four different nights. But in those four nights, there are actually nine total battles. Um, the breakdown of the battles 
there are six elementary battles, one middle school, one private and homeschool elementary, and one private and homeschool middle. And the books, the kids read 10, where the adults only read six. And as I already said, only one book in common between the three, but between the elementary and the middle, there are two books in common. The one I already mentioned, the 47 people you'll meet in middle school, and the second one, Shark Summer, which is Ira's book that we just got to uh, participate in the kickoff event on. You know, and on the adults reading only six, just so the kids don't get feeling too, too sharp here. Um, the kids only have to answer for each question the name of the book and the author. For the adult event, you actually had to answer questions. So uh, very, very different preparation for these events. I don't think we could have done 10 books. No, definitely agree. Um, in, in fact, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they switched it around and made the, the battle for the kids harder than the battle. <laughs> the grown-ups, because our memories don't exactly get better as we get older. And we have two, two that we know of, connections to kids' battle teams. We do. I want to give a shout-out shout to two battle teams that we have met through the course of this already. And maybe that grows over the next month as we um, prepare even more for what's to come. The Finksburg Area Battle has a team called Team Grim Readers. Uh, Ted's already told the story of me running somebody down in the bathroom to have a conversation about their battle team. Uh, there's a picture out there of us with that team. We met them the first night of their preparation. They didn't even have a team name yet. And I have been interacting with their, uh, their coach, Megan, um, since we met her. And uh, we actually were hoping to connect the night of the kickoff, um, but she wasn't able to attend. But I'm still hoping that we get to talk to her between now and our battle of their preparation um, for the event. And then we met a second team um, there for the North Carroll area battle. And their team name is the GOAT Readers. And I'll let Ted tell you what GOAT stands for. Well, sports people out there will know, but greatest <laughs> of all time. So I thought that was a very creative name on both teams' parts. And uh, we met the coach of that team, whose name happens to also be Megan, at Pipe the Side Brewery. They had a community book swap, and she was there with her daughter. And at the kickoff event, they came up to us to say, hi, remember us? <laughs> Um, they were there for, um, for the kickoff event, and the older daughter um, is on one of the teams. And in fact, her specialty book was Shark Summer. So she was really excited that that was the one that uh, the kickoff event was geared around. And I asked her, how's your preparation for the battle going? And she said that she only had one left to read. So she's already been through nine of the 10 books and they've still got several weeks to go. So she's definitely on track um, for preparing for battle. So if you have a child participating, of course, you already know about it. But I'd say you know, for people who are interested in books and just like the idea of watching a competition, 
I don't think you even need to have a kid in the competition to go to one of these and have a good time. You definitely don't. In fact, a friend of mine at work um, been talking about it a little bit, and she said, tell me the date of your battle because I want to be there uh, just for the fun. And I think we've sort of, uh, oh, it's perfect timing. Uh, we're currently in March Madness, right? Anybody who's a basketball fan. And the environment in the room while the battle is going on honestly feels like the excitement level of a basketball game. It's in a gym. There are tons of people. Parents are in the stands cheering and the kids are down just having a grand old time. And it's really fun to be part of. So yeah, if you have a great a kid, great. Hope to see you there. And if you don't and you just want a fun evening, the nights are March 31st, April 14th, April 21st, and ours is the last one on April 28th. I believe they all start at 6.30, but you can get additional details about which schools are represented and the timing and location of each on the Carroll County Public Library website, or you could just Google Battle of the Books Carroll County 2023, and you'll get the full list of books and the full list of battles and the teams um, you know, that, that are involved. So that's a lot we talked about today. And there's <laughs> <What's new? laughs> so, so much more coming. Uh, we we are struggling to figure out what episodes to do because it seems like there's always three or four or five. Well, today would be a good day to do this one. So lots more coming. I uh, don't want to tell you what what the order is or what the schedule is going to be. Because we don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wing it. <laughs> we do it on the fly. But uh, we're having fun and hope to keep on having fun with this. You know, so we're uh, recording today at Exploration Commons in the basement of the Westminster Public Library. Haven't said this for a while. You know, you can follow us on our website, two sides to the story.com. The second two is a digit. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're finding more and more connections on Instagram and, and Facebook. It's it's fun just watching how this is growing and, and spreading. The podcasts are available on our website or on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. And then, you know, we say our, our name is Two Sides to the Story, and that's because obviously there are two of us in this, Ted and Lori, two perspectives, two points of view, two stories. But we're just two people, and there's so much more than that to this. Um, so we're thrilled to be getting some feedback from those of you that are listening and interacting with us in different ways. And we encourage you to keep that coming. It's what makes the show interesting. Uh, thank you for listening, but we want to hear from you, too. Let's get your side of the story into the mix of the show. And one very specific thing we'd like to see from you. We have, we have a few people who have been sending us pictures of them and bookstores in different places around the country. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be really fun to have people all over the place sending us, I like this bookstore. You need to come here. If you're ever in uh, Boise, Idaho, make sure you go to this bookstore. Yes. And in fact, I think if that gets enough interest, we're going to do a little redesigning on the website even to integrate that. You know, the, the pictures that we could collect of all the bookstores that are 
further away than we can possibly get to, but we'd love to have them represented. Um, let's shout out your local bookstore in the area that you live in. It's This is not just about Carroll County anymore. It's growing. So when you travel and you find a cool place, uh, you know, send us a, a snapshot of, of you in front of that back bookstore and your impressions of it. And uh, maybe we can build a bit of a scrapbook in some online way of, uh, of all these cool places that are making books happen for people. Anything else? I, I think we've said plenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might be some people out there saying, please, please stop. They'll just turn us off if they yeah. don't like it. <laughs> good, good point. All right. Well, thank you for listening and enjoy your reading. <laughs>